Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The legends are true. We're overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. This is Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. Nice little background there with some racetracks and a simulator yeah. back there. And a drum so set. If, oh, nice. Oh, you've been, have you been drumming, eh? You've been, uh, you've been getting part your of our, power on? Part, part of our secret. Part of our driver program. A little that's, bit. That's it, eh? It's you've got everybody, their hand coordination drills are now learning that's, how to drum. That's, that's what we're doing. That's All right. One of the, one of the secrets. Into it? Yeah, that's what got him into it. No, uh, not, <laughs> I mean, not not the workout regimen that he has. If he has one, could have, could have been power. Power's been power's been pit fit prepared before, and uh, he's a big drummer. There's a big reason we use drumming in our program, and it's because two of the fastest qualifiers in IndyCar are drummers, and I feel there's a correlation between eye-hand coordination and the feet syncing all together, the muscle memory. Well, there you go, guys. If you haven't figured it out by now. Uh, we are talking to Jim Leo of Pitfit. Oh, if you are in any way, no, no, that's fine. If you are in any way an IndyCar fan and you've watched more than, I don't know, half a dozen IndyCar races in the last 20 years, you've probably at some time heard Diff or myself or someone else singing the praises of Pitfit, the program that a lot of drivers, not just in IndyCar, but in all of the junior categories, now also big in the stock car world, used to prepare and Jim Leo, you were the name, face, and genius. I use the term loosely behind yeah. Pitfit. <laughs> two, two, out, two, out, two out of three. Two out of three for sure. Okay, so listen, I want to go all the way back. How how do you get this program started? Because it's now sort of like synonymous with driver fitness, certainly in North American racing. Yeah, and uh, it's it's what almost 30 years almost 30 years old yeah and so you started off working for a team is that correct uh no i started off in a corporate wellness program for roger penske at detroit diesel corporation I okay was just i just ran uh or ran was part of a, a big giant training facility inside of a diesel engine plant so how did that all work out Roger owned it. Um, I thought it'd be cool to train the pit crew. He thought that was a good idea. Um, I didn't know what I was doing in that respect because nobody was, I had no knowledge or I just learned from those guys. And then I just went to Ready, Pennsylvania every month and designed a gym and basically created a training program at the end of uh, 93 and beginning of 94. And um, they took to it. You know, I learned a lot about pit stops. I did pit stops. I, I famously, you know, whether it was stupidity or just trying to understand the concept, they, 
put me out on the floor. Um, Rick Reineman, who has since retired, but was Penske for 40 years, put me out on a wheel mount on the wall with an air gun. And I basically did 30 minutes straight where I would just take the tire back and forth, back and forth for 30 minutes straight because I wanted to know what it was like. And the next day, I knew exactly the muscles. You felt everything that, that was sore. Yeah, and everything like, hurt. Everything hurt. Everything was in pain. Um, and I determined, okay, th- these are the areas to target, you know, from a, uh, that standpoint. And, you know, that's kind of how the whole pit fit concept has evolved is that that's really, we might be considered the leaders of the industries, you know, but the bottom line is that we, we, we constantly feel like we're behind the eight ball. Like we don't know anything. Can I swear on this podcast? Is that okay? You sure can. I feel like we don't know. We bleep it, but it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, so that well, we just keep asking guys like you questions and, and learning. And that's, you know, we continue to do that to this day. Okay. So let's, I, I want to go back. So you're, you're doing the, the, the corporate fitness program for Detroit diesel. Whose idea is it to do the, the pit crew? Is it your idea? Is it Roger's idea? Like, are you going to him with this? Is he like, Oh, you know what? Maybe this would work for the crew. As my idea completely. How does that conversation go? How do you like, you're sitting there one day, you're like, I've got an idea, Raj, I got something I want to run by you. Yeah. That's what I call it. A lot of people don't know. To this day. day, Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Not RP. Um, Well, this is way before, you know, emails, believe it or not. And, and I mean, I think the internet was around the beginning of it ish. Um, But we had these things called inner office memos that you would send and they would physically go from one location to another you would open them and read them and all this stuff sounds weird i know, I know. it'll come back it's it's coming back it's coming <laughs> that back. was when the indy 500 was with horses correct right right so um i i basically my grandfather who was a big racing fan sent me an article out of this magazine called National Speed Sport News, which has since gone away, but it was just a, a yeah, fold that was out a Bible for a while. Bible had an article about Roger's um, NASCAR team doing step aerobics to get in shape, and okay. they were called the Over the Wall Gang, and it was sub sixteen seconds. It was huge back then, and now I think that's like that's basically a really bad pit stop. And I just, you know, I had the idea. I said, well, no one's doing this. Um, Team Penske would come into our training facility in Detroit. They would leave Portland, and the next race was Detroit. They would come under our facility and work on their cars. And I got to know the guy. So I started doing cholesterol testing with them and offering all these things. And the I just generated. And then, um, you know, the idea came about. And I ran up by a couple of the guys I got to know. And um, they thought it was cool, but obviously RP's got to sign off on the thing. So that's when I sent my infamous inner office note to Roger um, and said, you know, I'd like to train your IndyCar team. You're not even the driver, just the pit crew. And then I got that, which I wish I would have saved, but I got the on RP letterhead, you know, go for it, RP. That was it. Why didn't I say that? Um, and that's it. That's how it, that's how it started. So you start by training the Penske pit crew, just an yeah. Indy car. Did they end up using you on the NASCAR program once oh, no. you saw the results? No, no. It, it, it just so happened. Timing is everything, right? Um, and it just so happened that the end of 93, the beginning of 94, was kind of a big year for Team Penske. Um, <laughs> Why? What happened? <laughs> well, 
They won 12 of the 16 races. They were one, two, three. And I don't know how it almost ruined the sport. They say they won the Indy 500 with the push rod engine. And, and I was getting all of a sudden people were noticing this and, and I still didn't really know what I was. I still didn't know what I was, was coming out of this. I just knew there was something there. Um, but I've never been one to let common sense get in the way of my ideas. So I just said, I'm just going to keep, yes, I'm just going to keep pushing this and seeing what I could do. And at that time, all I really cared about, you know, was it, it, it just to be the team Penske trainer. Like I thought that'd be the coolest thing in the world, even though Reading, Pennsylvania wasn't, you know, isn't really a hotbed place to live. I although, have been although that is where Taylor Swift is from. Did you know that? I did not know that. And yes, guess what? Is. She left as soon as she could. So he left as soon as she could. Yeah. And so um, it just, you know, I did that for a couple of years, still getting paid what I got paid at Detroit Diesel. Um, honestly, using vacation days to go to Reading at times. I mean, it was just crazy. And um, I happened to join with our training center was Ilmore Engineering at the time when they were with Mercedes. And so I became friends with all of those guys. They connected me, and then Pack West Racing made me an offer to relocate and and be the first team trainer, whatever in IndyCar history. And I made the move from Detroit to Indianapolis, and uh, that was uh, end of '97, beginning of '98, and then. Okay, kind of went from there. so you leave Penske because you're you're lured away by Pack West. That's tough, the, tough, tough decision. It must have been. What? How? Yeah. How? How did you come to that decision? Is it because uh, they were offering uh, yeah. the the glamorous, bustling metropolis of Indianapolis yes, over the yes. sleepy town of Reading? No, a couple things happened. Um, one, unfortunately, my mother passed away. You know, right in in like September, October, and all this is going down. And and I, you know, I thought, well, you know, this is like a sign. Then I honestly said to myself, what would Roger do in this case? That's exactly what I. I said, you know, what would Roger do? Roger wouldn't work for somebody. You know, he would go off and blaze his own trail. And and I saw the opportunity. And, you know, they made a, I mean, a really, really good offer. Um, John Anderson was the guy spearheading the whole thing. And, you know, rest in peace. Um, a great guy. And, and I just said, screw it. You know, I'm going to do this. And if it fails, I'll find something else. But if I don't try it, I'll always regret. So I think my mom passed away. The thought of trying to, you know, what would Roger do? I think that just gave me the confidence uh, because it took a lot. I mean, it wasn't well received in the beginning. <laughs> I mean, it just wasn't something everybody was doing, but um, I was annoying why, and persistent enough. Why do you think that was? Why do you think there was a pushback on that? Because, I mean, now well, that it's like industry standard, it makes complete sense that you would want the pit crew who's doing this stuff, you know, as fast as they can to be in good shape. Yeah. Well, it wasn't just that. It wasn't just the pit crew because what they wanted, you know, what I pitched to them was, you know, a, a comprehensive team program. So it wasn't just going in and training the pit crew to be, you know, more fit and faster in pit stops. It was also making sure the entire organization was running efficiently and smoothly. And to do that, you had to have things like health risk appraisals and cholesterol screenings. And we monitored blood pressure and implemented smoking cessation programs and all these things that um, you would see in the corporate world, but <laughs> that, that must have been a tough thing to do when all the race teams were sponsored by tobacco. <laughs> well, I mean, if I can, I show you what I have on my wall real quick. I, I have my original. Hold on one second. This is yeah. what this is. What, this is what I wore to the track when I was with Penske. Probably get a call from Penske corporate. Yeah, you're going to be told you shouldn't still own this. I know, I know what you're bringing over, and and you're going to get, you're going to definitely get yeah. flagged. 
yeah. for having the OG Team Penske Marlboro jacket. Look at that bad boy. That is name on it. Oh, that is such a throwback, like OG jacket. That thing yeah. would go for big money on the old eBay. And it didn't I was even matter. Say I gave you Fifteen bucks. <laughs> yeah, it didn't even matter to me that that's on the back. Right. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't really. You know, back then, you. I don't know. I just didn't really correlate marble with smoking. I think a lot of people didn't. They just Honestly, saw that. I as, like, yeah. I know one of the reasons that tobacco advertising got banned was the the effect on children, right? Like, I watched nothing but racing, and it was yeah. Marlboro Team Penske. It was Players Forsyth. It was Hollywood. Yeah. It was Team Cool Green. Team it Cool was Green. West McLaren Mercedes and and Rothman's Williams Renault. Like, it, it didn't matter. I did not it, associate any. I stopped it about ne- racing. Ne- never made you. Never made you want to light a cigarette. I no. still to this day never touched a cigarette because I'm like, yeah, oh, that's, that sounds dumb. But I love the colors and I love the racing. Uh, that's great. It's great stuff. <laughs> so wait, hold on. This is up. Oh, Team Penske calling. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> so you go to you, you go to PacWest, and yeah. I assume at this point, this is when the the program expands to also include drivers. So at the time, they had uh, Mauricio Guzelman and Mark Blendell. They had Didier Andre running, um, I guess it was Indy Lights back then. Yeah. Um, I think that was it that year. And, you know, Mark and Mauricio came from F1 where, you know, trainers and so were kind of a commonplace thing. So it, was, it wasn't for them. It was kind of like, oh, where's my guy and all this. So it was kind of that was that worked out really, really well. Um, and then I would go to the races and, and, you know, again, I knew, I knew in this capacity, I knew that this, this is, I'm not an engineer. I'm not a pit crew member. Um, I'm expendable. So if a budget goes astray or something goes wrong, I'm the first guy to go. It's a day one. I went in and signed this two year agreement, knowing that in two years, I better have my act together to go rogue and go on my own. I knew that going in. And that's eventually, you know, what happened to the team. But in the meantime, I just built my relationships as much as possible. And uh, with a great team, you know, they had unlimited spending. Um, Ando was great to work with. I mean, he was, you know, like a father to me. Um, But, you know, they weren't a team that was really sponsor driven. They were pretty self-funded by a a billionaire. And so I knew that was probably going to go away. And Much like this podcast. Brought to you by Warren Buffett. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big, juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, 
Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for limited time while supplies last. So, you know, it just went to that point and I just, it just started, I knew that I had to grow it a little further, a little further, a little further. Um, And then a turning point, you know, I know I mentioned, I don't want to talk about Scott Dixon because I always have to talk about Scott Dixon, but a turning point is when they signed Scott to be the uh, Indy Lights driver in um, 2000. And I'd worked with him the year before a little bit when he was with Johansson, but it was an odd situation because the team basically said, this is your responsibility, right? And other drivers, you don't worry about them. This is the guy you get to take care of. So and they didn't. They didn't even want you to focus on the IndyCar guys as much. They're, they they kind of said Dixon's the guy. Is that because the IndyCar guys just didn't? They wanted to do their own thing, or is it because they saw that Scott was the future of the team? They saw Scott was the future of the team, and they thought he could be a problem child because he had a history of being a little bit rambunctious, being and awesome, yeah, being drinking and and you know partying and things like that and so he came on and and he is none of the above he was an angel and and we spent the entire year dropping weight he didn't drink one drink of alcohol the entire season no women no nothing um and he focused and just kept on winning you know, and it, it and the other guys, I took care of the other drivers as well, but I just, you know, would go to the track and do their thing. And I had other responsibilities. Like I was in charge of some of the food issues, food things with hospitality. So I justified my position, right. you know, doing those things. Once Scott was there, I mean, that was the main focus. And his, you know, his teammate um, was Tony Renna, you know, another, uh, we lost Tony. I keep talking these people that have died, but um uh, he was his teammate. And so the three of us kind of became, you know, the, the, I was older, um, age wise, not right. Maturity, not maturity wise, not maturity, older, wise. not wiser, but <laughs> older. And so I just took care of them, uh, for the most part. And, uh, you know, it, it, it worked out well. And, um, Scott, you know, won the championship and everything and, and that and the rest is history. So then when does the Pac West experiment end and the official formation of PitFit training, you know, as a as a solo entity happen? Well, PitFit never officially expired. It was there. I formed it and, you know, it was always there and um, I was still making contacts. I was still talking to teams, talking to drivers. I was getting requests to do a lot of things, but you know, I kind of flew some things under the radar, I, you know, but I stayed pretty much true to my pack. Little, back, little backdoor deals every once in a while. Yeah, you know, yeah, here and there, side here cash. There. Yeah. So I just, I knew what was happening. Um, and then the team, you know, the team not suddenly, they went from having a really good year in 97 to ironically getting worse when I got there. I can't say that it's my fault, but the IndyCar team, I'll, you know, say, they, I'll say it right now. Yeah, they they had the Mercedes. If you remember, the Mercedes was a I was do. really was not as strong. A yeah, bit of a dog. Yeah, and so that was rumblings were going on, and and I just you know staffing changes, and I just I saw something coming, 
and the team, uh, some guy that was put in charge who I can't even remember his name, but he wasn't very smart. He, uh, he basically said, Hey, you know, what it's going to cost for you to just train Scott and whatever. So I gave him a number, my insurance went away, everything changed. And then I just, boom, you know, I'd already had some things simmering. So I just started that and that's kind of where it went. So, you know, Scott was essentially client 001 when you were out on your own. How quickly did other guys sign up? Did you immediately have a few that once you kind of went out on your own, were like, oh, yeah, I've seen what you've done. We've heard about you. We've met you in the paddock. We also want to get on board. Or did it take a year or two of, of Scott having success for people to really start knocking on your door? No, we had, I mean, I had people already signed on. It was, it was, you know, it was simple to do. It, was, it wasn't, it was simple to attract. It was not easy to scale as a, any small business, you're a one man operation, right? You know, I had, a, I had a location that I was renting, um, I had to deal with that. And there was a lot of success. I actually had foresight um, on a team deal I did with with the whole team, which was a very good deal for me. Um, and so the you know, we just kept getting little bits and little bits here and there. And, and I, you know, I staffing went through people and trying to figure out how to do that. Um, but I mean, it didn't take long, you know, and then and it just every year more opportunities arose because I was so it was such a new concept that immediately I was getting calls from you know I mean you're a good example with with Formula BMW right and the first time I met you with Formula BMW I had to put a bid in for this new program and and you know we were chosen for it and all of a sudden now I'm having to travel all these races and then someone has to do it's it's you know it's tough but it's just part of the growth. Yeah, it's, it's hard finding good people, right? I mean, what you do is a very specific thing. And it's not just having a knowledge of, of fitness or of training, you've got to know how to work specifically with athletes, you got to understand the unique challenges of motorsports. I mean, you guys are incorporating things into your training that they're not teaching you in kinesiology class, right? So no, it's got to no. be tough. No, and there's and there's things, honestly, I look back now, and there wasn't really anyone to tell me I was doing something wrong. Thank God. Because, you know, I look back at stuff that I was doing 15, 20 years ago. I'm like, thank God, I, you know, nobody got hurt or, or I mean, I always, always try to make what's, sure I did the right thing. What's something you look back on now and kind of shudder? Like, I cannot believe we did that to people. I'm sure there's some sort of statute of limitations on something. Of course, I don't know where that falls, but um, I, I don't know. It might have been shooting guns. Um, it might have been for eye hand coordination. Totally Totally fine. <laughs> Re you know, breath control, hand-eye coordination. I can I see mean, the value. It has its value. Qualifying. It's you know. Yeah. Actually, yeah. Yeah. Doing <laughs> it on seventy-first in Georgetown probably wasn't the best idea, but you know, <laughs> we made a lot of friends. So yeah, there's just a lot of things that we experimented with and tried, and and you know, I see it's it's funny because you see you know now in this day and age of Instagram, everyone's got to post the coolest stuff. We do a lot less of that. But um, you'll see people doing things that we were doing a ways back that I've proven or why one of our staff or research has shown. Yeah, it's really not been. It's cool, but it doesn't really do anything. But it looks cool for social media. Yeah. And people are still doing that. And, it's, you know, good for them. That was one thing I always really loved about being in your program was it. They, you were always looking for the next thing, right? You were yeah. always uh, researching new technologies, new ideas. You're always on top of new research that, you know, X could help Y could help Z sort of thing. And you were never afraid to like dive into something, 
try it for six weeks, eight weeks, 12 weeks, whatever it was. And then it's either a plus or minus. It becomes part of the program permanently or it disappears and off you go on to the next thing. But how important is that kind of constant development thing? Because driving a race car hasn't changed. The demands yeah. on the driver hasn't changed, but you're finding new and new ways to, to incorporate, you know, new things into training. I think the thing that, that, um, you know, for me in this field and sports performance, strength conditioning, there's this whole network of these, the guys, you know, the top guys. And a lot of people are afraid to look foolish. So they don't want to do something that, you know, might not go with the norm as what these 10 same guys are doing. So they do the same thing. This guy does. They don't want to get called out. I told my staff, I said, I don't give a about those people. They don't write a check for you. I do. Our customers are the ones we want to please. So we're not trying to please these other strength coaches. And I think that's been something we've had people that are super conservative on staff that really, you know, are, are afraid to get outside of this little box. Uh, you know, they, they live in this little box, the black and the white. And I just, I joke around and say, I, I dance out in the gray. That's what you have to do. You have to just try, 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 try. Yeah, there's just a lot of failures and things. Uh, but you also find success. And and for me, the one thing I don't want PitFit ever to be is boring. Right. And yeah. Okay. So maybe this thing that we've come up with, this concept isn't, you know, you can say correlate an increased vertical jump will make you a better basketball player in the area of rebounding. That's proven science. There's no right. way around that. Right. Racing, it doesn't matter. You can make somebody, there's a lot of great race car drivers who aren't the best athletes. There's right. also a lot of great or poor drivers that are really good at triathlon. Athletic specimens that yeah, yeah, don't have yeah. the results on track. You know, and have the body right. of whatever, but they don't really have what it takes in the car. And so the idea behind it is you've got to have some things that affect their performance, but you also have to keep them interested. Right. You know, that's the one thing. Pitford's never, Pitford's never been boring. We're always trying new things and trying different areas. And, you know, obviously the re, we've gotten better with refining something that that will help in the car and explaining why that that's important uh, but still there's times when we'll you know we'll throw a beanbag or cornhole as part of the circuit and to get the stress level up and you have to compete playing cornhole while you're doing something else like that's fun it is very but stressful then, but there's but there's a correlation yeah i mean <laughs> um so you know you talked earlier about how it's it's a it's a tough business to scale but you have expanded. PitFit now mm -hmm. has a facility in North Carolina. So how did how did you finally how were you finally able to kind of bridge that gap? Because I know it's something that you talked about for a long time. It was always something that was kind of on the radar. Obviously, yeah. there's a lot of racing drivers that are on the East Coast there, especially around the Charlotte area, uh, with everything in the stock car world, sprint car world, and all that. So how did you kind of finally make that jump? And and how's the success over there? Well, it was something that I'd gone down there. I mean, I have video of me going out, you know, 15 years ago, going out behind um, Corey LaJoy's uh, dad's shop, his seat making shop, Randy LaJoy, the, the joy of seating or what's called. And they had a little, little racetrack out back there. And I have videos of me with Ricky Stenhouse and Justin Allgaier and Max Pappas and I could, you know, Corey and, and all these guys doing these workouts, throwing tires around, just whatever I could find, you know, and they were always like, you've got to come down. You've got to, we, we need you down here. And I would go down there and it just, it's all about money. And I had, you know, talked to one group that maybe would get involved in it. But to be honest, I didn't think our program was really good enough here 
and Indy to, to expand down. You know, everybody wants to expand to another location, but they don't realize that you dilute your, if you dilute your product, then, then it's eventually going to fail. And so, you know, the model of expansion is definitely something everyone thinks it's just double the money. No, it's usually about the same money, but twice the work. And I was barely trying to survive keeping things sustained with what I had. So I just, you know, we experimented with it. Um, and then eventually, uh, Trey Shannon, who had started his own program, I had met Trey a couple of years back. And actually, he he had the world record endurance for carding twice. He set the world record for carding endurance. Yeah, I remember that. I met him and did support for him at, at, at Newcastle. He started his program and he came to visit. And, you know, like a lot of people, they think, oh, this is fun. And it is for about six months when you start a business. And um, I was watching what he was doing. And, you know, he basically copied a lot of what the equipment and everything that PitFit had in Indy because he had, you know, and I, I kind of helped him get started. And I waited a little while and I reached out to him and I just asked, you know, maybe two years into it, I said, how's it going? And, you know, he had the look of somebody who is a one man operation trying to scale a project and getting busier. And he just said, this is way more than I expected. So I said, well, how would you like to come on board? I'll give you a part of the company. Um, you know, the two things I promised him is I'll give you a consistent um, paycheck, which he hadn't had. He was, you know, at some point he just wasn't doing and I'll give you help. I'll get you staff down there. And we did that. And it's the best decision, probably one of the best decisions in the history of this company I've ever made, because he is the perfect complement to what we're doing here. We function as a team. Um, and it, it's it's really been really amazing to see that bringing him on board as a partner has really helped us in that capacity. So you, you know, it, you helped out with getting staff. We talked earlier about how it's tough to even get staff for your facility. I know there's going to be people listening that have a huge interest in what you do and in working in this space. Where do you find people? What What is a good, you know, uh, if somebody wanted to come work for PitFit, what background should they have? You know, what, what should be a skill set that they have? What are you looking for when you're out there looking for someone else to bring on board, whether it's Indy, North Carolina, whatever? That's a tough call because I've made some hiring faux pas especially in the last couple of years. Um, I've, <laughs> James knows what I'm talking about. Um, you know, and you think that you look at someone's credentials and anyone can write anything on a resume. Um, I've learned a couple of things. One, um, they need to have an interest in this, in this field for one, but they also have an interest in growing the area of motorsports. Cause there's a lot of people that do this kind of thing for other sports and they get into racing and they don't really, it's just different. You know, it isn't a stick and ball sport and they have to have an interest there. Um, they've just got to have a passion to learn and and go beyond boundaries, not just sit at a desk, and look at a computer or just. Yeah, those are critical elements. So now it's one of these things that we bring on somebody. Uh, we do a much thorough, much more thorough background check. We meet them a couple of times. Um, if they have a girlfriend or a spouse, we meet that person. Um, to make sure that there's no red flags there. James knows what I'm talking about. Um, you know, and I think that's that's the thing is, and, and you know, be prepared to work hard. We're not going to pay you a ton of, everybody thinks that racing, you get paid a ton of money, do what we do. Incorrect. I cannot, I cannot tell you how many people have reached out to me in the last three to four years about they 
they found out about PitFit through Drive to Survive. They want to be an F1 trainer. That's right. the thing they, they want to do because they see that. Um, right. They actually hired one of those people and that didn't work out. Um, and, and they think that there's all this glamour to it. And they think, well, going to the racetrack is fantastic. Well, we both know it's not that glamorous. It's hard it's work of, when you're working. It's a lot of long days of, you know, you don't do a lot sometimes. Right. Um, but that that's the thing is that the glamour part of it is is short-lived. But I think it's like that with any sport. I'm sure anything you get into. It sounds like Dancing with the Stars probably looks great from the outside. But it was a lot of work, right? It was a ton of work. It was way more work than anybody said it was going to be. You know, be. Being Tim looks glamorous from the outside, but it's mm. it's a lot of work. You know? No, see, I that's, that's actually... one of those things that doesn't look glamorous, and it's not a lot of work. Right? No, see, that, <laughs> yeah. exactly. That's the inverse. That's just that's oh, proof to the point. That's oh. proof to the concept. If it looks glamorous, it's probably a lot of work. If it looks like Tim, it's probably pretty easy. Oh, yeah. well, yeah. that the masters make it look easy. So, Tim, you're you obviously are a master. <laughs> I know that I know that's it. a I'll fake background it. with the Christmas tree and the home and all that stuff. I know you're probably in some nightclub right now, dude. Exactly. Exactly. That guy put up his Christmas tree on November first because he's borderline psychopathic. But anyway, uh, I'm just happy to hear I'm still on the border. Speak. <laughs> speaking of masters, Jim, you are a master yeah. at what you do. You are, uh, you know, an inspiration to a whole generation of trainers. You've been a very key part of the success of a lot of drivers, myself included. Uh, a lot of a lot of guys owe you a, a huge debt of gratitude for for what you've done, what you've created. And uh, and we've really enjoyed chatting to you today. And I hope everybody has enjoyed listening to how the the fabled mythical pit fit trading was created and the uh, the wizard behind it all. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks so much. Um, anytime I can help it. I, and James, I think I'm going to be seeing you I'll soon be, since I'll you're be, back at your back in the saddle. Yes, sir. I'll be giving you a call very soon here to, to figure out my my triumphant return to the gym. <laughs> Put some muscle back on that frame of yours. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, buddy. This has been Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. Off Track is part of the Sirius XM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give us a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts. We're at AskOffTrack on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to follow us on Twitter individually, I'm at Hinchtown. He's Alexander Rossi. And if you want to follow Tim, though we have no idea why you would, he's at the Tim Durham on Twitter. Follow us on YouTube and subscribe to our channel for exclusive video content. OffTrack is produced by Tim Durham, and by that we mean Tim. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of McDonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last.